You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. It's just started to be, well, Happy New Year to everybody, and it's uh, 2022, and um, as excited as I was for the year to end, 2021, let's say, just kicked me in the bum. Um, As I looked forward to 2022, I hit this year with a bang. Yep, me and my entire family got COVID. Yay. The gift that just keeps on giving. Um, I'm just um, getting over COVID and uh, that's my my Wolfman Jack voice. Uh, Maybe it'll stay and it'll be my new radio voice. That's not such a bad thing. But um, what it has taught me is, well, gratefulness for health. I had to go chop wood and deal with my horses and try to do this um, art project that we're doing. And it was really hard. I definitely got a reckoning of how important our health is. So, you know, that's that's a key thing as we're moving forward. And another key thing during COVID is that we really have learned what is an essential service. You know, um, we're very disconnected from our systems and we're very disconnected in so many ways from our government and our government from us. And really everybody's trying to do the best they can with what, you know, is a pandemic. But what is an essential service? Well, to me, art is an essential service. And as we're moving forward, I am asking my fellow artisans and, you know, really artists of note to come together and talk about how hard it has been to be, you know, isolated. Now, artists all talk about how isolation is part of how we, you know, are made up. But um, I'm seeing a common thread that now that it's time to go back out and try to slowly, you know, bring our out out there in that voice. There's so many, you know, people that are suffering from mental health and, you know, art is an essential service. It, it's, it's what makes our hearts beat. Like, you know, listen to the music, listen to the paintbrushes, listen to the vibration. You put that away. Are we even human at all? So as I move forward, as I move forward and, um, You know, 2022, I believe, is a seed. And seed by seed, as we start on Art Root Radio to promote this project that we're doing called the Sunflower Project, there will be a series of guests that I will have invited into my studio that are just, you know, to me, um, people that I've watched from afar, um, mentors and just, you know, my creative tribe. One of such artists of note is a man named David Lloyd Wilson. Gentle soul. I have looked at his art for a very, very long time in the Okanagan. Um, His work is ancient and modern at the same time. It's a language. He's honored me by being in my studio. Um, I would like to share. He. It's pretty exciting because um, his work is going to be part of you know, our Okanagan Winter Games. And, and that's a really cool thing because his art is so important and Indigenous culture in Canada, well, that's just everything. And his language and what he has to say and how he teaches and just his story. If you look at his art, and of course, as always, we'll take you on a scavenger hunt and give you the path to discover, you know, these modern cave drawings and the work of this master but I really want you to look at the future when you see David's work because 
It is the past cave drawing to the modern language that will keep the stories going. It's ancient time travel. It's work well done. He's a master, a kind soul, and, um, well, his voice is like hot chocolate. So spend some time with David and myself as David tells us his story about his work and the important work of the Indigenous communities that we are so graciously allowed to live on. Take a listen on Art Root Radio. Good morning, David. Welcome to Art Root Radio. Morning, Michelle. So how are you? I'm good today. Very good. How are you handling? Yeah, me too. How are you handling the COVID times? I am surviving. It's difficult, but uh, it's not um, out of my lifestyle. Yeah, it's definitely, it's been hard, hasn't it? Yeah, or to spend a lot of time by themselves anyway, so they're self-isolating to start with. It's interesting. When it first happened, I was, you know, everybody was scared, and it didn't change my lifestyle because I am quite a recluse anyway. But um, Yeah, same here. Right? But as it's moved on, I really am starting to feel many artists are struggling with the actual fact of it opening up again. Yes, yes, it seems to be happening now. Yeah, that's kind of things that we're talking about. Like certain people um, have just reached out, and I think that's why in my pivoting of trying to, because on scaffolding, you know, yes, you're in front of everybody, and it seems like you're public, but you're really not. Uh, so tell me, tell me how you started. How did you know? When did you recognize? I know we're all artists in our soul, but when did you recognize? That you were an artist. Jeez, oh, that's kind of hard to tell. I, I first uh, had an interest in art when I was very young, uh, going to school um, at Barristow Elementary School, and I was looking for for our art, art of Okanagan. I guess probably I was looking for some kind of cultural identity through art. But now that I think back at I don't think I was thinking of being a, a great artist or an artist of note. I was just looking for identity through art. So it was uh, not really me doing it, day. Eh? I didn't have any art skills or anything. I just liked art, eh? Yeah. So I found, um, eventually I found a book on pictographs. Um, I was influenced by uh, artists, uh, local Okanagan artists, uh, like Barry Brewer, who did the uh, Okanagan Indian Band logo. Oh, nice. Which is a pictograph of, uh, of a porcupine. And I, um, to me, I found uh, some cultural identities through that. And it also told me that... Uh, could be done. That's important. That's important that, so it's really that you found your voice. Yes, yes. Eventually I uh, went down to Vancouver, went to school there, to Langara, but uh, I'd met some artists 
West Coast artist, and I'd uh, decided to learn their art. So I learned their art, um, Coast Salish art and Haida art. And I came back eventually to Vernon and uh, I had found that I'd had some, found some basic skills where I could uh, transform the ancient pictographs into a acceptable art form. It's interesting when I see your art. It is such a mix of modern and ancient. It's absolutely beautiful and fascinating because I feel like it's um, you get to be kind of looking in the past in some kind of hole, and yet it feels like you're standing here as well. Yes, yes. It's really amazing. It's very portal-like almost. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... You know, well, the, to get the hang of it, but uh, I'm starting to get the hang of it. But I, you know, I do from some simple pictographs to more complex designs now. Complex, yours are so uh, they're so evocative and so detailed. And uh, I know, and I've spoken to you before about it. It's just for me, because I'm large scale and I my fine motor skills, I I struggle. I struggle, struggle with them, you know, and I just go, I mean, the amount of talent that goes into that, that's, it's, they're beautiful. All your work is so beautiful. Uh, thank you. So I'm thinking about, you know, as being an artist, when I discovered that I had a voice because I felt voiceless living in an immigrant town, it was a you know, small coal mining town that, number one, being a female child in a coal mining town that really only liked hockey. You know, very multicultural town. And my mother, I mean, there was everybody always at our table. My mom was just this hippie chick. and But I didn't have a voice until one day I picked up an orange crayon. And I painted with like this crayon. And people noticed me. And I could talk because I was a shy kid who stuttered. And when I drew the first picture, then I started to draw what I felt. And I think for me, my art has always been is trying to hand out crayons to people who can't speak ah okay because I have no training mine was just my mom taught me to bring people together so I believe my biggest talent is bringing people together yeah yeah I've never really had any training either right? it's always been uh, if anything it's been more of a traditional teaching because I uh, I learned uh, well from uh, the high the person Rick Atkins, eh? Yeah. And he, uh, he had, he's, at the time, he was doing a lot of, like, uh, gold and silver bracelets and little sculptures. And um, would sit and uh, it wasn't the usual kind of apprenticeship uh, where, you know, I'd, uh, he'd give me, you know, a tool or something and I'd have to, you know, help him carve out a totem pole or something. Yeah. So we pretty well sat and he told me stories about uh, about the art, explained things on the form line. He also told me that uh, that um, well, he explained things, but he uh, pretty well told me what his father had told him and what his uh, grandfather had told his father. That passed along these uh, the, the art form uh, through oral tradition and uh, yep. 
actually just doing it, eh? Yeah. So there was no, uh, no art school that I learned from. But I think you've been pretty lucky then. That's, I, I, you know, that means you've been very lucky. Um, I met uh, a Korean master um, somehow in our travels. And, um, you know, I always say, oh, I have no formal training. And this master looked at me. He goes, then you've been blessed. He said, because true artists, it comes from your soul to your brain to your hand. He goes, you don't need to be trained to do that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I, I, it really helped me. And then for me, I think of every person who helped on any wall or any piece of public, whatever I've done, I think we've all exchanged. Like I would say, I think a university is a very business-oriented, important structure, but I believe that people working together is this wayfinding academy that's ancient, that we transfer skills. That's how my dad taught me. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... so when you work, do you have like, so I always ask artists, like when we're all sitting just talking, do you have a process or does it, does it something that, because I know I struggle, I will go for weeks and can't create anything. And then it's like, I have to almost break the door down in my studio to get in there. And then I don't want to get out. Um, I guess the process is that uh, my ideas come out of uh, nothing. Okay. Um, I'll uh, sometimes find out I'll have a block. Yeah. Artist block, but um, I think to myself, uh, uh, just let it be. Eh? Yeah. It's, uh, it's just something that'll, uh, that'll come to me, eh? then all of a sudden it just pops out of nowhere. Just like um, all creativity, eh? Yeah, it's it's been interesting on these Zoom meetings where, because we all came together, a bunch of us older ladies, I'm going to say, and we were like, how can we help people that are feeling isolated? How can we do? And so we started having these Zooms and we just started and we're inviting. And we, of course, we would totally be honored if you would join us. And we're trying to help get people connected, maybe even once a month. And it was so interesting how many artists sitting like just you and I are right now just enjoying the morning we're saying I have a block blah 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 and at the end of the zoom everybody sort of went away and then came back and said hey I I got and it was this weird I never thought it could happen digitally that people went back and then came back and it was like they had something to kind of I don't know if it woke them up or just kind of didn't feel alone so it was kind of fascinating that that can happen digitally Okay, yeah, I find arts uh, quite spontaneous. Okay. I um, I remember, um, I guess as a youth, I go into schools and teach, eh? Yeah. And I find these these kids, grade four, grade five, they're when some of the, the greatest artists, they, their uh, technical skills aren't there yet, but their creativity is amazing. Isn't it something? Yeah, and I remember back uh, when I was a kid, too, and um, when art class came, nobody had to tell me uh, what they really did do specifically, eh? No. Down uh, some paint in front of me or pencil and paper and just told me, you know, create. And all of a sudden, just idea would just pop up and I'd be just at it and 
spend a whole uh, whole art uh, period session uh, creating my art, eh? Yeah. And that's that's what uh, we forget, eh? Yeah, we do. The creativity uh, that we were uh, blessed with as kids, eh? Just got to remember, uh, remember when we were kids. Go back to that time, and because uh, I find that, um, well, I've taught uh, grade uh, fours all the way up to grade twelves, eh? Yeah. And what I find is uh, the difference is uh, grade fours, they will just spontaneously start grading A, just go at it. Mm-hmm. If you get up to grade twelves. And they're actually looking over their shoulder. Uh, they're thinking, you know, what will you know my classmates think of my art, eh? Yeah. That's kind of that's a block, eh? Yep. That's what we. Uh, that's what we we create a uh, block, eh? Just by uh, being ourselves and uh, caring what the other people think, eh? That shouldn't be the case. You should only care about what you think as the, as the artist, eh? All your creativity. It's, it's so true. I do. Te- I teach as well. And I always, you know, the kids, same for me, kids that from grade four to about grade eight, they, they're so free and brave and their art is incredible. And then it's almost like a numbing happens as they get older. Yes, exactly. That's what I've, I've observed. Me too. And it was interesting when I was out there. I think that's why all the mural projects were so successful was there was no door. You just showed up. The wall was the only person that judged. And it was like, do the work. If you're willing to get to that wall and do the work, everything was just a mixture of paint. At the end, it turned into whatever we were did. Di- like, I mean, we were dictated what we could paint at those times. I always, I always laugh. Muralists I come up to me now. Oh my God, you paint painted colonialism and you painted this. I said, you know what? At that time, I was grateful enough to get on a wall. You couldn't get on a wall back in the day. You know that, right? right? You had to, I had to sell yeah. my soul to get on a wall. You know, and that's like one day I want to tell the story of look beyond the paint because what happens when you take those youth, I mean, it was amazing. Like to this day, any one of those young people that dropped out of school and stayed on the murals, they got their GED. But they have stayed connected to the paint on the wall, not the image on the wall. Uh-huh. Right? And I think that that's what all of us, there seems to be this really common thread. Roy Vickers, too, I did a podcast with him, and he was like, did you get in trouble with math class? I said, yeah, because I thought you should draw in math class. Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> did you get in trouble in math class? <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of artists, uh, they say that they're really gifted, but... Uh... I think everyone is gifted, eh? Yeah. That the artists uh, put in more time, eh? They, um, like if you're in art class or in math class and you're doodling, eh? Yeah. You're actually <laughs> training your hand and your mind to, to create something. So you're doing art class, eh? Yeah. I actually think my daughter, so I'm a grandmother of five beautiful grandchildren and they're all they're all unique artists, and they're very wild spirited. I can actually, because they're mine, call them feral grandchildren. Ah, uh, okay. I have four, four grandchildren. Are they feral too? Um, yeah. Well, one's more of an athlete. Eh? Yeah, yeah. He's very smart and an athlete. Uh, he's the oldest 
at 14 and there's 12 year old who uh who's quite artistic eh? i buy her art supplies and whatnot and whenever she needs art supplies she tells me she's out of paint or out of canvas or whatever and the other two are fairly young but they're uh like mine too they have the four boys they're athletic but they're arts really artistic all of them they um uh -huh. they painted in the studio for their parents paintings of how they were feeling about their parents and both my son and daughter-in-law ended up in tears because i just let them go and what they created was amazing i'll send you pictures it was just amazing and then we have a three-year-old who is a true the dot the one girl our little rose she is just like I mean, she is so brave. She's already, whether my daughter likes it or not, wake up in the morning and there's paint all over the walls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe don't think any parent likes that. <laughs> well, that's like my mom. <laughs> my mom gave me, I painted my bedroom. And uh, I remember my mom being very, you know, free as she was. I mean, I said, Mom, look at my whole life. Now I painted on the walls as a career and how I fed my family. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, David, I'm th as I'm sitting here, and we're just, I imagine the fireplace. I have my fireplace going on my little farm and chickens and dogs and horses. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe we just are the modern cave drawers. Maybe we are those teachers. Because that's how, you know, what do you think? Maybe we just are those teachers. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not anything more complicated than that. No, probably not. It's just... Uh... Paint's got uh, better uh, brushes and whatnot, and it's still just the creative creativity. Yeah, and and trying to yeah put forth a message of some sort. I always go back in my Ukrainian heritage because you know, in, in as a small kid in Canada, my grandmother, we were very very culturally in the Ukrainian side. And I hated it. I remember I, I owe my grandparents many apologies because I didn't know they were in internment camps. I didn't know the pain. I didn't understand because we had a lot of alcoholism in our family. And my dad one day, who was from Czech and Scottish side, said to me, we all had this thing, and he put kind of us all at the table as kids. And he struggled and he said, there's something. He goes, I am a not well-schooled man, but I am a wise man. And he said that if you take your hand and you keep your hand busy, and he goes, whatever. He says, we were those creators, and in this world, we can't be. He says, but the connection from your hand to your addiction. He goes, if you keep your hand going, your addiction monster will stay away. Uh, and, of course, I was young at the time and, you know, didn't really understand. And now having, you know... A family and children and you know we've all had you know wild experiences and I see it I now really strongly see in my children if they're on the internet too long you can see that pattern and the minute I take them and put them in front of a canvas that energy changes so I think my dad was right okay yeah yeah absolutely you know so maybe our whole world is the reason that we are struggling is that people haven't been allowed. I mean, and maybe it's the word artist. Maybe it's the label of artist that is the problem. Uh, yeah. I think we all have creativity. Yeah. Creativity and we need to express it, eh? 
somehow, some way. I choose to do mine through art. I'm not sure. I guess there are other ways to express your creativity. Well, my mom bakes. My mom's an artist, but she bakes and makes food and pies. That's an art. Absolutely, yes. Yes. You know, it's almost like in kindergarten or a school. Like my daughter takes her kids out of school. They're in an alternate school, kind of an outdoor school, because she wants them to keep their freedom. Uh-huh. But, you know, maybe we all needed a free pass at four to say, you are a creative soul. You know, you are creative. End of story. Yes. That's what I'd like to leave behind. Because I, in, in my travels, I have met so many people that will say to me, especially politicians, <laughs> good, bad, or whatever, will say, well, I'm not an artist. And I go, well, I think everybody. But, you know, it's that title, maybe. I don't know. It's something yeah, to think about, eh? Yeah. I think uh, in life you find something uh, that you can work at that you love. And you, uh, your your creativity comes into play, eh? Yeah. If you don't love it, then it's just, you know, another job and you're just going through the motions that you don't love what you do, eh? Yeah. I think you, you need to find something that you love and just keep at it, eh? So, Whether it's uh, art or it's uh, dance or song or any number of things, eh? There's a lot of jobs that, uh, that kill this creativity, eh? Oh, man, doesn't it ever. Yeah. It is. So what what do you, what does David love? What do you love to do? What is it the breaststroke? What do you love to do? Um, I think it's the creativity. It's it's doing something that really hasn't been done before, eh? Yeah. I've uh going to school and whatnot. I was I was really good at numbers, eh? I could do them in my head. You no. Know, yeah. Six figures, eh? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I didn't love it. It was just logical, eh? Yeah. Just something that, you know, been done before, but uh, the art, art hasn't been done, eh? At least not what I've done, eh? Yeah, no, it's... never been done, so uh, to me, it's... That's what it is, eh? It it takes me back to when I was a kid and I I was looking for identity through culture yeah and I I'd like um, I like sharing it eh because um, when uh, well when I go into the classes like at Bearstow I uh, I find kind of like I've, I've come full circle I yeah. used to uh, use it the child I was looking for for art AR art yeah sailor shark and uh, all these decades later, I'm in the classroom teaching it. That's wonderful. It's no longer, uh, no longer searching for it because it's there now, eh? That's a huge accomplishment. So this world thanks you. I thank you for that. That's a, that's amazing. Thank you. And the kids, right? It must be, you know, I, I mean, I haven't worked with kids for a while. And, um, man, their faces, hey, when you go in there and you just, it's like this light from their faces just warms you. Yes, absolutely. They just get right into the art, eh? 
Yeah. Just a little bit of direction. Uh, it'd be a good story to, uh, to inspire them, and they're right at it. Can you imagine? I always see this. I don't know, maybe one day before I'm dead, it'll happen. I see a building with a huge yard with walls that are like not around like a prison, but they're just kind of, you know, a pounded earth wall that can be painted. And they're all kind of like a park in different angles. And the school is that every morning you go out there and you repaint a mural. And it doesn't matter that every month you're going to repaint to teach that nothing's can be always permanent and everything is taught well, it was like on my scaffolding. I mean, it would just be so much fun. Elders would come and musicians and whatever happened on the wall, this amazing outdoor school. Uh, it would just be yeah. amazing, right? But, yeah. But then I guess, you know, they would become an institution in some form and that would change. I guess I'm hearing from you, it's really got to be much more reactive and spontaneous. Absolutely. That's a What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color, David? Uh, red. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Mine's yellow. Uh, is... red. I guess maybe blue, actually. Really? I do. I put a lot of blue into my stuff, eh? Your colors, the palette that you use, is, it's almost... I get this draw, so I see blue when I see your art, because there's, like, the aquas and those colors that you use. You know, those uh-huh. those healing colors, right? They feel like you could take some of your work and they should hang in the sky. <laughs> like, they should just be up in the sky. Like, if you could just hang them up there. Right, right, yeah. Is, so that, that's a pretty cool thing. So what do you want? What does David want to leave behind? What do you want the, the historians or the people, the kids? What do they want? What do you want to leave behind in your work? Um... A viable art form that uh, the local indigenous kids can can uh, take up. Perhaps it doesn't have to be a um, complete art form. It's just the starting point for them. Because eh? uh, pictographs were actually uh, a starting point for me. Eh? And I evolved from there. Well, yeah. So currently, one of my projects uh, coming up right now is I'm doing uh, 150 uh, pictograph drawings yep. on uh, 12 by 12 uh, cradle panel board, birch panel board, eh? Yeah. And I've uh, applied for a, a grant for it. And uh, so it's going to be quite expensive, but... Uh, I intend to put 150 different uh, pictographs, like um, different animals, different four-legged, different insects, different birds. To date, I've done 45 of them. Wow. Uh, I had them on display at the Monashi Art Gallery in Lumbee for a bit. So uh, I've still got like 105 to do. Wow. Then uh, once that's done, then I'll be uh, I'll uh, get a digital copy, get them uh, digitized. Then I will I intend to use it as a, a educational tool, like uh, a picture of a moose, eh? Yeah. My art form. Yeah. So I'll put the the moose uh, silks uh, word for moose on the top. Yeah. And the English word on the bottom. 
So you're becoming so, a translator. You're the translator. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll approach an elder and get them to do the words, but uh, it'll be kind of a teaching tool, eh? I've uh, got um, uh, some uh, letter confidence or whatever from yeah. people within the school district. That is amazing. Good for you. That is so important, your work. I mean, I just see you as this translator and you're not, well, basically you're creating a new language for, wow, that's, that is absolutely amazing, David. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a new art style uh, that's kind of based off old art style. Yeah. When I was in, um, like in Vancouver learning from, uh, Rick Atkins, the Hyde artist. Yeah. He uh, told me a story that uh, a long time ago, the, like, there's like, I don't even know how many uh, West Coast art forms there are. There's probably like 25, at least 25, eh? Yeah. Including the Hyde, uh, Sinchan, Clinkett, um, uh, Kitsan, Witsutin, all these, these, these uh, art forms, uh, these nations, they have uh, a similar art form, but they're all different, eh? Yeah. You can uh, you can look at the art form and you can tell uh, the difference, eh? Yeah. So what happened years, years, centuries ago, probably, uh, it started with Sinchan, and I guess it probably would have started with one person who had perhaps had vision of this art form. So he put down the art form, he perhaps... Uh, carved a totem pole and it told a story and the neighboring tribes they liked that it's a art form as a way to tell the story eh? put out a message so they, they created their own style eh? right it was very that's a little similar but uh, different eh? but it's mostly uh uh simshan started off simshan but clink it is a little bit different well, I'm doing kind of the same thing uh, with my uh, art form. When I learned that the Hyde art and uh, the wholesalish, I came back to Vernon. I didn't feel comfortable continuing uh, the art form because, you know, I'm not from Hyde or whatever, right? Right. Um, I'm from here, so I went and uh, found those pictographs that I found years ago at the, the museum, in the museum archives, eh? Yeah. I transfer, transform them using the very basics of the, of the West Coast art. So to me, it's just an extension of the evolution of this art, eh? Wow, that is so amazing. Yeah, I think that uh, if contact would have been another 100 years later or 200 years later, then uh, the art form would have likely uh, extended to the Okanagan. We'd have eventually picked it up carving our own yeah types of uh poles, eh? with our own art our own um, style so i i use art for as a west coast art form but i use uh, a lot of things like uh uh spikes uh lines um exact lines things that are fam familiar with uh pictographs i uh i incorporate them into the uh 
West Coast art format. So mine isn't the, you couldn't say it's Haida, you couldn't say it's Sinchan. You'd probably say it's Okanagan, eh? So it's, it's kind of a, like a new, a new art form based on the old art form. It's just evolution to me, right? I think it's innovation evolution for sure. It's, it's funny, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm hearing a story from my Baba. Because I, when I, the Ukrainian embroidery, I mean, I, I've always been fascinated with it. And so I did some research and she would tell me these stories that every different tribe in Ukraine would have their own patterns. Well, it all looked the same to me at one point until I had to paint the pattern on a wall. And then I did the research. Every pattern, every little rose, every little dot section all meant a different language to a different tribe. And they actually told story through the embroidery. And I was like, wow. And so now I'm very fascinated with that when, you know, I think about embroidery from all cultures. There's an actual language in all of those patterns. Absolutely, yeah. Just like, um, well, the, the, the Scottish and their, uh, their uh, artins, eh? Yeah. Just different patterns. The Mayan, uh, they have uh, several different languages, eh? Yeah. But, uh, and... Uh, several different like tribes or whatever subgroups and they uh villages they all have different patterns they need to look at a pattern and tell where they're from eh? see we've lost that so you are actually creating this language that is so key so you know that's what you're going to leave behind because you can see these patterns and they will be around for forever students you know a hundred years ago or a hundred years in the future will learn from you yeah, yeah, that's things that I'd like to leave behind a legacy, yeah. David, that is really incredible. And for me, one of my favorite animals is the moose. My grandfather, he always would say to me, the moose was put on this planet to feed us and be and honor that moose. And he would make us go hunting and he would make us, yes, we took it home and we had to honor the story of the moose. And for some reason, my mom has been visited by a moose so many times in her life when they were you know, young kids and my grandfather had no money, like, you know, in the coal mining town they were from. She was about 13 and her and my uncle went and killed a moose because they were hungry and then they got too scared to tell my Guido. So they left it, let it rot. So they got in major trouble for letting it rot. And then when we were about, I was about five, we lived in this um, kind of a, it was like a, a mining house. They were these houses in this little town of Michelle. I mean, the outhouse was in the middle of the street my mother painted the kitchen pink because the mine provided the paint. And my mom went to let the dog in. And I can still see it so clearly. The door open, and this mother moose was looking for her baby come through my mom's house and is in the kitchen. And I can hear my mom screaming. And here's this moose in the kitchen. <laughs> and I always want to do a storybook about it. And I go, man, we have just been, I've been in my life so blessed with coming from, you know, basically living in the, we're a guiding an outdoor family, you know, living very rustic with my, you know, I would say my cultural roots, which I guess are indigenous to Ukraine and Czech. And but I just think, can you imagine right now? Somebody said, "Yeah, there's a moose in my house." <laughs> yeah, <I've never> heard <laughs> of that. yeah. So you, 
You know, and it's that. And my mom, she phoned me. She's locked in. She's had COVID. She's survived it without any kind of vaccination. And she phones me yesterday and she's like, well, I fed the deer and I fed the cat and there's two skunks and they're kind of hungry. So I fed them. And she's like, oh, and I'm just killing. I'm going, mom, thank you for being my mom. And thank you for passing on, you know, through art and creative laughter and stories. And David, you have this softness that the world needs so much of your art because you truly are a wise, wise, creative human. Uh, thank you. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, it's getting younger. Wow. Taking yourself back to the days when you were a kid, eh? That a is... person. That's profound, getting younger. I'm going to put that that quote of you for you on the, when I do the social media. Okay. Getting younger. Wow. Well, David, this has been an absolute pleasure. I will send you a link, and you can tell me what art you'd like me to share. Just lend me one of your images to share. We welcome you to our Sunflower Project. Our Sunflower Project is we're just trying to bring people together to protect this planet, to work together and inspire us all to share our art in a connected path, right? Just somehow us creatives can lead, you know, they, that, you know, that, that Louis Rell quote, the artists will wake up the people. Right, yeah. So we welcome, we got satellites. I have some giant satellites if you would like one. Man, they're amazing. Like the big rounds, like I've got one in my yard that when you stand in front of it and you're painting it, it resonates. Because it, it, I guess it absorbed all the sounds and the shape it is for its purpose. But it yeah. is almost the craziest healing thing as you're standing there. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if you have time, we're, we're going to be writing more grants. So we're trying to make sure artists get paid. And it's a give back, but in its exchange, it's basically that's exchange skills and talent and honor everybody in the, under the symbol of the sunflower, which is, you know, the amazing... Um, plant of the indigenous people of Canada. Right, right, yeah. But it also is of Ukraine. So it's this kind of a, you know, a nice blend, I would think. Ah, uh, yeah, my dad said he, he was called the uh, part of the sunflower when they were kids. Eh? Really? I think when they were really young, the, the uh, well, I think as I was watching in some of Sheldon Lewis's pictures, he talks about, I guess, the roots was one of the traditional foods. And it's interesting, in, in Ukraine, the same thing. There's a story that said that Peter the Great, when the rape seeds failed in Ukraine and Russia, somehow was over here doing whatever they were doing over here, took the seeds from here to replace the rape seed crop failure in Europe, which now, of course, is one of their major crops. And I'm going, well, it's time for us to bring it back because I guess sunflowers, between cleaning up the planet, environmentally, we could eat the seeds. The stalk is basically hemp making, like you can use it like hemp. And it's yeah. and it's supposedly the eye of the universe. And I go, maybe that symbol will kind of, I don't want us, we need to be united as individual peoples. But if we could see us as indigenous to this planet, maybe we could stop fighting and understand that if we don't all come together, Mother Nature showed us she's going to throw us off. That's right. That's right. You Save know? Us all. 
So yeah, so David, thank you so much. And one day it would be a great thrill for me, an honor for us to create something together. Okay. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Alrighty, well you take care. I'm going to wind this down, but don't hang up yet. So thank you very much and um, stay safe out there. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Reconnecting all communities, the water flows through indigenous blue. The tides rise and fall, connecting us all. Water is life, hear our call. The water flows through indigenous blue.